Hello, this is Brian Croft. I'm the senior pastor of Auburndale Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. And I'm also the founder of Practical Shepherding. A few years ago, I started a blog about the daily work of a pastor, and that blog has grown into the various ministries of Practical Shepherding. We want to come alongside pastors who are laboring in the trenches of pastoral ministry to encourage and to equip them. And that's why we started this podcast, Trench Talk. So we hope this podcast encourages you and your church as we continue our conversation about the pastor's work. To find out more about Practical Shepherding, visit our website at practicalshepherding.com or you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Welcome to another episode of Trench Talk. This is a podcast by pastors for pastors, and it's produced by Practical Shepherding. In each of these episodes, we try to take some aspect of the pastor's ministry and break it down into its component parts, put it back together so that it is uh, profitable for pastors and churches. In this episode, we have a special treat. Uh, I have Brian Croft with me, who's the president of Practical Shepherding, pastor of Auburn Baptist Church. Uh, And we also have Rob Gibson, who uh, is a pastor and friend of Brian's. And what we're going to be talking about today is pastoral friendships and pastors caring for one another's souls. Uh, Pastors spend a lot of time, of course, caring for the souls of those entrusted to their care. But we want to talk about how pastors can care for one another. I'm your host, Josh Scher. I pastor at Auburn Baptist Church along with Brian Croft. So the first thing I want to do before we get into to talking about this subject is, Rob, I just want to ask you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little about yourself uh, and your ministry and your family. Yeah, sure. Um, Rob Gibson, I pastor Christ Church at Goshen. I've been, um, I'm in my 11th year pastoring Christ Church. Um, came to um, the pastorate later in life, my midlife crisis at uh Late 30s, 40 was uh, leave the business world, go to seminary, and uh, uh, enter the pastorate. So, uh, first ministry experience was at a large mega church in uh, Middle Georgia. Left there, came to seminary, came to Louisville, and had been at Christ Church the last uh, 11 years. Pastor was at the church before I became the pastor there, and uh, prior to that, a business career, banking and business ownership, and. Um, so that's kind of how we got here. Yeah. Uh, Rob serves on the board of Practical Shepherding. Right. And uh, tell us a little about your family. Yeah, uh, I've been married for uh, 28 years and have uh, two children that are uh, grown and nearly grown. A, a son who uh, sells advertising and a daughter who's just about to graduate from college, uh, Xavier University. And uh, so I'm about to get a raise. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, am I right? Do you uh, like to ride bikes? I, I do have a motorcycle that I ride, mm-hmm. yes. And I do. Should you say what that is specifically for posterity? I mean, is it I mean, anything it's, it's nothing big. It's just a, a Honda 1100 uh, that looks like a Harley and sounds bad. It's a, it's a, <laughs> I, I saw I, your j- biker jacket down the hall. I think I've seen, I've stalked you on Facebook. I've seen yeah, well. Did I, you ride your bike here? No, I did oh, not. Okay. No, my biker jacket's not here with me okay. today, but oh, I, I got it. Things. You know, my idea behind it is it's big it's loud um it's like a a grown man's bicycle with cards on the front spokes that makes noise when when you go along and so it's just a big loud thing that for some reason i felt the need to have and uh, part of the midlife crisis maybe for yeah second midlife Mm. first midlife crisis was leave business where you can make money and go into the ministry and then second midlife crisis was get a motorcycle on which i could kill myself so my wife could collect my insurance 
Um, so, hmm. yeah, so it's fun. Uh, cool. I've done some good rides. I just did an evangelistic ride this last summer with a guy who was claiming to be an agnostic and has become a friend and just an opportunity to minister through that and have fun riding around the country. So Sounds like we need to have another podcast episode about that someday. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, brothers, we are here. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, pastoral friendships, how pastors care for one another's souls. Uh, and so the first question uh, that I want to ask you, Brian, is, um, you know, so we would encourage Christians in general, you know, the scripture talks about all the one another's, the ways that we're to care for one another, encourage one another uh, every day, as long as it is called today. Um, is there something unique, though, about uh, pastors caring for one another's souls? Um, or is it is it just like any other any other Christian? Yeah, it's not unique in that pastors need friends just as much as every other Christian needs friends. So it's not different at all when it comes to that. Um, and But there's a lot of pastors that struggle with finding friendships um, because of the role they play. So I, there's not a, it's just as important for pastors. It's not more important or less, but it's, it's just like anybody else who needs fellowship and, and friendship and those who are going to encourage us in the faith. I think the unique part of it is because of the role of a pastor, it's, it's hard to find friendships that understand what it's like to be a pastor and the pressures that come with it. That's unique about it. And then a, a, a pastor who can find somebody that can really just be real and authentic with because there's so much of a pressure to perform and be a certain way in front of your congregation. So it can be, it can be particularly hard for a pastor to find a friend in his church because he's feeling the pressure to have to play this, this role of pastor and, and can't bear his soul in a way he needs to to be able to be cared for. So oftentimes pastors find other pastors be, become some of their, their dearest friends that they're able to be able to be open with in ways they can't with others. Uh, Rob, I want to ask you, um, you know, kind of in light of what Brian has just set up for us here, um, who, who is well equipped to care for a pastor's soul? Uh, is it, does it, you know, Brian's kind of led us in the direction of saying it needs to be another pastor. Is, is that what you would say? Could it be... Uh, you know, a, a childhood friend, going to be a wife, um, you know, what what are some of the dynamics involved there? Mm-hmm. Well, I think first, uh, the pastor needs to know how to care for his own soul. And like any man, a man needs to know what he needs, and he needs to build friendships in which, in that friendship, he asks for what he needs. I think that's a piece of personal awareness um, that I've grown into. I'm uh, almost 54 Um but some of my maturing has been coming to understand what do I really need in true soulful friendships with other men and then to become aware of that and then have the nerve to ask for it. You know, what do I need for my own soul from another man to help me grow and and um, be balanced and, and cared for? I think one of the things that I've been aware of is I love caring for people. I love people. Part of my ministry, I do a lot of counseling. I love to counsel people, but it's difficult for me to be cared for. I want to be the caregiver. And so it's a step of humility, I think, even to step into a relationship as Brian and I build our relationship and and be honest about what I need. Um, and I think, too, you mentioned the wife, um, certainly my relationship with Margaret. Um, that's a process to grow to 
be able to let your wife care for you as well as you care for her and we wash our wives with a word and we nurture them and we care for them but also to allow our wives to be caregivers to us I'm certain I could not do what I do nor would not be where I am if it weren't for um, her honesty but her being my greatest cheerleader as well I think Rob brings up a good point in that the challenge for pastors is that if you're a pastor and if you're a good one you're a faithful one it means you want to be a caregiver to others but a lot of times and this is true for women who are wonderful caregivers and regular Christians who are good caregivers a lot of times that's the role they want to play they makes them feel significant so it's harder for them mm-hmm. to ask for the help and be cared for mm-hmm. so I think a lot of pastors struggle to let people care for them because they always want to be the ones to care for others I think too if I can just add on to that train the unique thing about a pastor, I had a conversation with a man in, in our church uh, earlier this week who, who is a dear friend, love him. Um, he's invested in my life. I've invested in his. And he made comment, you know, I this relationship's funny because you've been my counselor and my pastor and, and it's hard to be friends. Well, I think we can be friends, but there is truth to the reality that as pastors and as soul care providers, that are trained in that and, and necessarily refine those skills, at least I, I maybe just own this myself, I can be a head case. Um, and by that I mean it can be difficult for somebody to care for me because I know from my counseling and from everything else, I know, I know how this stuff works. And so it takes particular skill. And I think that's where another pastor, where Brian's and my relationship has been a benefit as we've been open, vulnerable, transparent with one another, shared our brokenness, shared where we've stumbled and sinned, where, you know, and just been good to one another, we've also learned how to care for the other man's heart and, and get to things that other people might not know, might not recognize, might not have the uh, toolkit, if you will, to help us. And, and to kind of get past the head, if I'm in my head, and get to my heart. Or... To, you know, challenge the thinking, whatever the case may be. Um, so, I'm curious, Rob, in particular, as you as you moved from a, a, a career in banking into ministry, how did your awareness of your friendships change, and and even your own need? Was there ever a point where you you sought out other pastors and said, "I, I need like this kind of friend. I need this kind of relationship." Yeah, yeah. I mean, very early on, is the Lord led me to ministry um, of course the whole dynamics of life and, and who you're running with professionally changes um, by the grace of God one of the challenges at this church I first went to a large mega church I had a staff of 25 that I managed as well as a counseling center I knew nothing about most all of it at the time other than I had an administrative toolkit and could manage and lead people and set vision and that sort of thing um, but by God's grace, I hired a counselor who was very good to run a counseling center. We had five counselors in. And so necessarily started being surrounded by people that knew how to care for people and, and honestly knew how to care for me better than I knew to care for myself at the time. So it started to expose me to that. And then um, from there, really stepping into associations, um, you know, we're, we're associated with... Uh, Southern Baptists, and so we have a local associations that uh, recognizing there's value to those friendships and then starting to invest in those and build those and just recognizing that the old network really didn't have 
the understanding of what it is to pastor a church, what it is, Brian and I have talked about this very recently, what a different load it is. I've run large businesses and had uh, more people working for me than are in my present church. There's a different thing of running a large multi-million dollar business than there is caring for the souls of men and women and children. And the weight is astronomically different, though the dollars might be smaller in your church than in, in former businesses. And that takes another man, I think, who, who gets the weight of that to walk alongside you and to, to relate to in that. So early on in my ministry, I realized as a business person, I knew what it was to organize, manage a business, run a business, push people to perform, set goals for them. Um, that doesn't necessarily always have to be the most loving thing as in management and leadership. In the church, it was very clear to me I needed a pastor's heart, which was to love people. And that was one of my prayers. God, give me a heart to love people. I know how to lead people. I know how to push them to perform because when you're in business, you can incent them with money. Um, that really doesn't work in a you church. You can't do that in the church? Well, really? I tried that. I've tried a couple of yeah. leveraged buyouts in the church and that didn't work very well. Uh, no, you're right. It doesn't work in the church. Um, but it's, so it strips you down to really what is, how are we living as human beings with one another? How are we helping one another thrive, not just survive or not just chase the paycheck or a bonus? So my prayer was, God, show me how to love people. And then um, early on, as the Lord was leading me into ministry, um, he put in my path uh, a pastor that was obviously very, very good at loving people. He couldn't administer his way out of a paper bag. So I said, I made a deal with him. I said, I'll help you administer and I'll add my skill set here, but you've got to teach me what it is to love people. And that seems simple. Well, surely you know what it is to love people, but really how you go about doing that and all. And so he invested in me in that area, um, you know, and, and helped me tremendously with something that probably any of you listening to this know that, you know, people, once they know you care and love them, they'll listen to what you have to say. Mm -hmm. If they don't know you care for them or love them, it mm -hmm. doesn't matter what you say. Yeah. Uh, we're having a conversation here about the value of pastoral friendships. Brian, I want, I want to ask you uh, to share a bit about what it's like when you don't have that kind of relationship and what happens when you lose that kind of relationship. So, you know, I know in particular that um, Jackson Boyette was a dear friend of yours who cared for your soul for many years. And in God's providence, our church sends many men out into ministry who have been good friends to you. Um, talk about what it's like when you feel the absence of that. Because invariably, there's somebody listening to this uh, who mm -hmm. wants that kind of friendship but doesn't have it. Yeah. Just speak to that a bit. I think it starts first with something Rob mentioned a few minutes ago, and that's you have to personally under, be aware of your need and what it is that you need from another man in friendship. And so if you don't know what that is, then you're just kind of getting together and maybe getting some benefit by just being around somebody. But when, you know, if you need somebody to not just give you counsel, but to know how to ask you probing questions, be able to get to know you in a way that, that they can just read you and sense what's going on when they look in your face. When you can connect with somebody like that, um, and it's another man who knows what it's like to be you and have the struggles that you do, uh, that's just, that's really special. I mean, like when I've experienced that, um, it, 
it becomes some of those special relationships that I have. And just to find one or two of those um, is more valuable to me than my 30 acquaintances that I may enjoy watching a ball game with somebody, but really not connecting on any significant level. So as I have grown, as I've experienced those friendships, um, I find that they're the most valuable to me. And I'd rather have one of those compared to a bunch of acquaintances. And so when you lose somebody who you have that connection with, like when Jackson died and uh, was a pastoral mentor of mine, um, had some dear friends that have left here. You know, when you lose, you feel that void and then there's usually not someone to, to immediately replace them when they, when you come back. And so that connection you're feeling, which that connection is what ministers to your soul. It brings healing to your soul and things you need to face and deal with and talk through and, and somebody help you work through with, before the Lord, you got to all of a sudden find another outlet to do that. And that can be difficult to find and also can just be troubling to the soul. So I, I found that when I don't have that regular way to be able to work through things, you're kind of forced to do it on your own uh, or try to find somebody to do that with. The other thing I would say is when I've found a friendship like that, that I can really connect with someone, some of my other relationships um, start to feel more shallow and very unfulfilling. So uh, when I've gotten together with other friends that are friends of mine, people I've known a long time, I enjoy being with, when you've gotten to experience a connection with somebody in regard to soul work, and then you don't experience that with somebody else you you really want to, and they're not in that same place where they want to do that, I, I find that even getting frustrating at times because you have the expectation to want to be able to connect in a way you, you just can't with somebody else. Uh, brothers, I want to move to talk about your relationship. The reason that we're having this conversation together with with our brother Rob is because uh, Brian and Rob have a friendship, uh, the kind of friendship right. that we're talking about today. Um, and so would you brothers just start, uh, try to figure out how did you guys meet? Uh, what was the beginning of your relationship like? We're trying to figure that out. To see. Yeah. I, I think I, I think we said earlier we, we might have met at a at a restaurant, a Wild Eggs restaurant, where we we tried, we, not tried, we have put together a um, through Brian's impetus a, a group called the uh, Pastors Fraternal for Practical uh, Theology, and at the origins of that, a few of us from town got together. Uh, a friend of mine uh, that serves on the board, Jim Sebastio, brought me in and. Brian brought in uh, Ryan Fullerton, who's also on the board, and and uh, so we started, I think, by having breakfast at. at it just Eggs. hit me. No, we didn't. Okay, I, I met on. you when I came on the Jeff Street board. That was before thought, all of that. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay, so we so served together. As, there's a homeless. That doesn't count. There, no, because <laughs> that's what I was thinking too. And it just hit me as I hear talking. Wait a second, it was before that. That that's came after true. that. We served on another board together, right, yeah. for the Louisville Rescue Mission yeah. uh, Homeless so, Shelter. So there's a homeless yeah. shelter for men. Yeah. Rob was the, well, at Rob became the president. Yeah. I came on the board, and this was a very challenging time on this board. And so Rob and I became friends through having to walk through some really tough situations on yeah, that board. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's where our friendship started. We started doing some different ministry together in some other areas there's a ministry called uh, Men at the Cross where Rob has been involved with that for years. And um, and I recently, in the last few years, got involved with that. And it's really a retreat focusing on men trying to figure out how to uh, care for their soul and understand what's going on in their soul to be able to find that. And so there was a natural connection mm-hmm. between us. We were already friends. We started walking through that together. 
really Rob brought me in on that part of his life that he'd already had. And, and uh, that allowed us to connect in a deeper way, even more so than we, we had as friends up to that point. Yeah. And that's what I want to get into next. So now I want to ask you, brothers, to tell us about your friendship. Not so much the cooperation that you do in various ministries, but how do you care for one another as friends who are pastors of churches? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what we don't do, and, and maybe <laughs> start there, because I, I'm, I'm aware of what I do experience with some pastors that isn't helpful to me. What'd you preach on this weekend, brother? Oh, I preached on you know Ephesians chapter two, and then you pre repreach your message to one another, which who cares? I mean, we do care. It's you know, but it's it's like no, I don't care. It's okay. Okay, yeah, good. Um, you know what we really on occasion do is talk theology or challenge one another, have a question about how we're dealing with something. But I think. Um, not to slight theology or what we've preached on, but we tend to go deeper than that to um, what is the state of your soul? And and we might ask it this way to one another. How, how are you checking in? And what we mean by that is what, what's really going on in your heart right now? Um, I, I say this way we think drives the way we feel and drives the way we act. Thoughts lead to feelings, lead to actions. And so sometimes I'll go after what is a guy feeling? And I'll do that with Brian and he'll do that with me not because we're led by or directed by our feelings, but for guys that are in their heads a lot and thinking theology, what are you thinking doesn't help because we're smart enough and we're often can, as I said, I'm a head case. I can get up in my upper register and talk theology at you and never let you know what's really going on in my heart that there might be real grief that I'm experiencing. There might be great joy over something that's going on. Um, and so we'll go after that with one another. What are you feeling? Why are you feeling that? Go behind that. What are the thoughts and the circumstances and all the things mm-hmm. there? And then, and then that gives us the opportunity, obviously, uh, to where is God going to meet us in that, um, in that sadness and that joy and that anger and that hurt, whatever the case may be. But really, I think that's where the soul starts to open up. And when we can... Uh, which we do with one another, create, uh, I'll say, a safe space for us just to be men that have, as human beings like our Savior did, sadness and joy and anger and frustrations and fears and anxieties, and be able to hold that space for one another and just unpack that, really, without answering one another um, with a platitude, you know, of don't fear because perfect love casts out fear. That's true. We believe that with all our heart. But there's something behind our fears. There's something behind what's going on. So we hold space for one another in that, I think, and Mm -hmm. just journey into that, wouldn't you say? Yeah. So I think the first thing I'll say is that, so I'm blessed with a lot of friends and even more acquaintances with just, you know, all these different things that I'm involved with and doing. But when we talked about doing this podcast and we're talking about pastoral friendship, I said, there's one person I bring in. Uh, to do this podcast with me. So I'm I'm able to connect with Rob as a friend on that level in a way that that very few others in my whole in, in, that exist in this world I'm able to do that. So I just first want to reiterate that is the goal is not to have 10 people that you are able to connect with. The goal is to have a one or two or a few that that you can connect with in that way. 
And I think the the key, the foundation to any of the t- the work that we do, we meet weekly. We have a set time we meet, and in our both our busy schedules, we make time for that consistently. And when he says hold space for each other, I mean, another way to think about that is that we have this agreement that we can show up with each other however we need to. And that's really freeing for a pastor. Because a pastor, there's always expectations on him to have to show up in a certain way. And for us as pastors to know we're going to meet at the same coffee shop at the same time and realize that I can show up however I need to show up and whatever mess I need to show up in and that there's no judgment and condemnation in that is incredibly freeing. And I would say is the foundation to be able to do this work. Mm-hmm. What a lot of men do is they spend half their time trying, still trying to measure each other and judging whether they're spo- whether they're where they're supposed to be because it's Monday after Sunday or it's midweek in sermon prep or whatever. Um, I would say the most valuable thing that I have with Rob that I'm not sure I have with anybody else in my life to this level is I know I can show up however I need to show up. And uh, and he's going to love me and want be interested in what's going on and not judge wherever I am. So what it sounds like, and to be clear for those listening, when you meet in these ways in your friendship, anything goes, you can ask each other any question, you can speak into each other's what life, you know, in any way that you see fit. Is that mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Anything goes. And yeah, and may, maybe even though before asking any question or speaking in any way we want, um, I would almost reverse that, Josh, to say there's a there's a sense of first listening, being willing to listen to where that other man is, um, because I think listening precedes speaking into the person's life. Um, what I am aware of as a pastor that I can get on a roll, maybe I have already with you guys, and I can do a lot more talking than listening. Um, we're trained to do that. Um, I think what even you know in business and in sales, previous life, I would have said I was a good listener because I was very successful, but I wasn't. Um, there's something beyond listening to what is spoken from someone's head and listening to their heart and their soul. And I think that's what we do for one another is we listen well. And How do you listen well? Like, what does it look like practically? Like, are you, is it beyond just asking certain questions? Is it just allowing them to continue to speak? Like, how do you, how do you listen well? Yeah, I think part of listening well is, is to be able to show up with another human being and realize they are just human. We're pastors and our church may expect something out of us in the pulpit and whatnot and, and, you know, we're trained to, to lead and to preach God's word and to minister to the souls of the flock, but we're still just broken human beings. And we each come with a story. We each come with wounds, scars, some old, some family of origin, some very present family that we're living with today, uh, church members who love us, hate us, left yesterday, whatever. So it's it's holding, um, just being willing for another man to show up and to hear what's on his heart um, and to love him where he is. We full well trust that where we are is not where we will be because God is working in us by his perfect plan to mold us and shape us and, and make us what he would have us to be. But in the moment, to be present with another man and just hold space for his soul and let him bring that to that space. That's what I mean by listening, not just hearing the words he's saying, but even listening 
because Brian and I are different. Brian is in some ways very connected to his heart and is more compassionate than I am by nature. Um, I can get there, but it's helpful to have a friend like Brian who will help me connect to that um, and will draw out questions and help me. One case in point would be connect to sadness. My mom's uh, on her deathbed as we speak, and you know I don't know when she'll pass. Lord knows that, but there's a lot of sadness around that. But as a guy that gets up in his head, I suppress that. Brian will help me bring that out and just look at that because that's a part of being a human being. It's a part of being a man, uh, you know, an aging man with an aging mother um, that there's a there's a sadness and grief around that. She's going to be with the Lord. That's a glorious thing. There's joy in that as well as sadness and both those emotions meet together. And so he'll help me connect to that. And that's really valuable. And I, I've, learned how to, I've learned how to read him as he learns how to read me. And I can look at his face and his expression and know if he's in his head often. Mm-hmm. And I can know, I can almost see it when he connects to his heart when we're talking. And, you know, those are dynamic. Yeah, men get so nervous about talking about having some kind of intimate relationship with another man mm-hmm. in kind of just a homophobic culture that, that we're in. And it's like that, those are actually the meaningful relationships that men need to be the men, strong men we need to be. And so that's really special for me to, you know, talk about not have, not having to cut through all the superficiality. For me to be able to look at him as he's talking and to be able to know him well enough to see that happening. And he's able to do the same with me. <clears throat> We're not having to explain ourselves. We're able to just, you know, show up. The other thing I would mention, I, there's two things that are crucial that I, I feel that I've, that I've learned with soul care. The, our emotions is, are the gateway to the soul. Mm-hmm. Silence is what exposes the soul, mm-hmm. and so when there's just a bunch of words and we interrupt each other and we're chatting back and forth, a lot of times when Rob and I meet, um, I may ask, "So, so how are you? How are you checking in today?" And there may just be silence for a few minutes, and I don't. And and as a pastor, the temptations to ask the prodding. Like, I'm looking at you. You're not talking, so you must be having a trouble trying to figure out what to say. So let me help you. What about this? Well, what about that? I mean, that's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of it is sitting back and just being silent. That's what, when Rob says hold space for another man's soul, that's what, that's really what he means by that is, is that we give each other space to just be silent if we need to, to think, take a minute to connect what, what is going on. I, I was just in a rat race for the last two hours trying to get here. I need a minute to just, and there's not that expectation that we have to just have this constant give and take. And um, if you if people would really be honest with a lot of their relationships, a lot of times it is based on this this back and forth, back and forth, where there's really not a connection. Uh, it's it's more of a cutting each other off as you're trying to argue your point, and and that keeps everybody in their head, and you don't connect to anything else in your life. This. Go ahead, Rob. Let me just add one thing that maybe is important because as Brian's talking, I, I'm imagining somebody saying, "Yeah, but a friendship like that that comes over time, and you build that over you know that's that's a fifteen twenty year friendship." Uh, Brian and I have not been friends. I we haven't known one another fifteen years. Um, we've known one another maybe five. Um, we've known mm-hmm. of one another probably you more of me by my yeah. immense reputation. Um, just kidding, that's my joker. But, it's about five uh, or six years, yeah, <laughs> five or six years, yeah. and really been going deeper in this friendship for maybe the past two, two, two to and three, a half. yeah. 
And that's true. Um, and and I would echo what Brian said. It, it's other than a couple of my elders, probably the deepest pastoral friendship I have, um, and somebody that as a pastor understands me as well as anybody and knows me intimately. That you can let happen over 20 years, or as Brian and I have done, you'd be very intentional about it. Um, I didn't know until earlier this year who his favorite football team was and some of that stuff. We don't talk about that stuff. Um, and it's a poor choice of a football team, but that's beside the point. Um, you know, we've been intentional about pressing into one another's souls, and and uh, it can happen, I think, uh, very quickly if we recognize we're broken men, we have needs, um, and, and there's power in that. I mean, we preach this to our people, right? There's power in the body of Christ. There's power in unity in the body of Christ. There's Power, you know, as you, you reference the one another verses, when we love one another, when we counsel one another, when we encourage one another, when we really know one another, as Jesus says, I call you friends because I've told you everything, mm-hmm. right? I've shared my heart with you. I've shared the Father's purpose with you. I think as, as human beings, we've got to get there to where we find somebody who we say, I'm going to risk letting you know me, mm-hmm. which for pastors, geez, that's dangerous. If, if mm-hmm. you think your church is really mm-hmm. expecting that you could be lily white and have it all together you know i mean i believe in the doctrine of depravity i'm sure i don't have it all together mm-hmm. and it's helpful to have another man who can receive me when i don't have it all together and uh, and and love me through that and walk me right to the cross and um, anyway it's intentionality time helps but intentionality is really important and safety is an important word it, it may take 10 years or it may take six months but if you Two men are willing to try to be safe for with the other, to for them to be who they need to be. That's really where the the depth the the depth of what we're talking about develops. This kind of relationship doesn't sound particularly easy. Uh, is there a challenge that you all have experienced? It doesn't have to necessarily be in your friendship, but it can be in another friendship like this um, that you faced in kind of fostering this kind of friendship. And and how do you address that kind of challenge? Well, I, I'll, I'll take exception to your premise that the relationship isn't easy. It it's actually, all rainbows and butterflies. Um, we are able to deal with really hard stuff in each of our lives. Um, but I would say my time with Brian each week when that time comes is one of the easiest places I can go to. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. Be, because there's a safety there, because there's an understanding, we both get the gospel. We're, we're men who are covered in the blood of Jesus. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So we don't come to one another with judgment. you know. And when we have blown it in one area of our life, when that happens, um, there's, there's not a hammer looking to come down, which maybe some pastors listening are like, you know, if I were honest with somebody about a failing, a misgiving, a sin... Uh, you know, I, I just got to keep that inside. You know, we know what that did to David. Psalm 32, it crushed him when he kept it inside. When we can confess our sins to a brother and, and, and share our life, you know, God tells us that which we bring into the light, he makes light. Ephesians 4.19. Getting really biblical now all of a sudden. But, yeah, you are. Yeah. Um, Bible drill time. But so I, I the, the relationship may sound difficult, but I think once you do the intentional work and you establish some ground rules that we're going to hold a confidence for one another, we're going to be safe for one another, we're going to share our lives, we're going to confess to one another, and we're going to, we're going to just be there. 
it's it's an easy relationship. I think I get the spirit of what you're asking, though, too. Rob's right. But what's difficult is finding it and knowing how to find it. Because what if... What you join if, a board. Yeah, like... what? It, yeah, so join some board. Exactly. What if I want that relationship and I seek a man out and all of a sudden I share something that's pretty risky about personally about my life and and all I get from that man is is awkward silence and then judgment that comes and he almost says I don't want to meet with you anymore because you're you know you're pretty messed up i mean that that's uh, that can be really damaging to somebody who to then try to go find somebody else who they can be real authentic and honest with with them so it is difficult to find those kinds of relationships um once you find the relationship then i totally agree with what rob said it it this is the easiest relationship that, that I have um, for those reasons. But I think it's very difficult for most people to to uh, to find it, especially, mm-hmm. unfortunately, especially in the church, which is where we should be able to find these relationships first. Mm-hmm. But the reality is there's, there's so much judgment and condemnation that's just kind of um, assumed in so many church cultures and circles that... It ironically, the church can feel very unsafe for a lot of people, and that's something that really has to change in the church culture now. Yeah, I agree with that. That's... <clears throat> a few nuts and bolts questions. Uh, do you brothers meet? How often do you meet? Weekly. Once a week, Wednesday mornings, um, and there's been times we, we've canceled uh, last minute, but for the most part, uh, we we do all we can to to try to honor that that time. So it's 90% of the time, it's we're meeting every week. Where do you meet? You a, a coffee shop, shop, public place. Yeah. Um, doesn't yeah. have to be a public place. It doesn't have it to be. Is. It well, I can tell be. you where because I'm, I'm very <laughs> yeah. going to start. Like, yeah. well, I, I would say this. I don't, we didn't plan this, but I think I've just experienced this, that you know, it's, it's, it's good and challenging for the soul to be in a – because it's about being who you are regardless on who's around. So, um, for me to connect to my sadness and start crying as I'm talking to Rob about something very sad in my life, and I'm sitting in a really public coffee shop where a church member or somebody from the seminary or somebody who read my book walks in and goes, "What in the world's wrong with him?" That's a that's actually a, become a good exercise for me to just be me, and it doesn't matter who walks in because this is who I am and how I need to show up. So the publicness of that has helped. Mm-hmm. I didn't really. I didn't anticipate that public spot is a middle ground and a convenient spot for us, but that's been a fruit that's come from meeting pub in a public place. You brothers can elaborate on this if you want, but I know just to make a note of this, that um, you brothers do live in close proximity to one another, relatively speaking, but uh, some of your close friendships, like with Jackson, Brian, uh, he lived in Texas and uh, you all, I assume, did you speak on the phone with one another and email? So, yeah. And there's a, I'm thinking of a couple of, a couple of men, Jackson was one of them, but a couple of men that are, I kind of view as spiritual fathers in the faith in a way, don't live here. Um, but because I've ha- I have a similar kind of relationship with them, but may only talk to them once every six weeks, um, it's, it's very easy to enter into that conversation on the telephone for 45 minutes uh, it's kind of that old phrase. You just kind of feel like you pick up like where you where you started, but it's that's only because of the relationship that's established, you know, ahead of time. And I know that man wants me to show up with him, and where he doesn't, 
he doesn't want to know if my team won this past week. You know, he wants to know how, how my soul's burdened and how he can care for me in that. So even long distance uh, can be fruitful. Any concluding remarks or encouragements uh, that you want to give to any pastors listening uh, about pastoral friendships or about your friendship with one another? Um, I, I think the only thing I would say is, you know, if there's a man listening who, who doesn't have uh, a deep, intimate, and by intimate I mean um, emotionally, soul-connected relationship with another man, um, my challenge would be pursue it. Um, the, the, you know, God says it's, it's, we're, we're to be known. We, he knows us better than we know ourselves Part of the gift of being a human among humans and in the body of Christ is to be known by other people. Take the risk to be known. Um, and as Brian said, that that may to your previous question, that may be the hard point is part is finding uh, somebody who will know us as we are and accept us. There might be some who reject us. Brian knows a story. I have a uh, a man who's at our church. He was an elder at one point in time, and I, I shared some things about my life, my struggles, and. Even a, a a struggle my wife and I had had, we'd had a fight that week and, and wrestling through that. And he said to me, he said, you know, I feel like I know more about you than I want to know now. And that feels really uh, great when somebody says that. I mean, that was just a sign. We're not going to go there. Um, and th- that's going to happen. That's hard. And the fact of the matter is, I, I say this, I, I would like that relationship with that man, but I don't need it. You know, we really have everything we need in Christ. We are blessed when we're able to go deeper in these relationships with one another as men. Um, and, and to Brian's point, sometimes we'll hit our heads and we'll find a guy like this and it won't go anywhere. But then if you keep at it, you're intentional and you try and drive deeper, uh, you'll find that man and uh, it'll be a blessing to your soul. So my encouragement is go after it. Yeah, I would say that just for every man to listening to really be honest with themselves on what, what is it that makes them feel the need to perform in front of people. And usually it is it comes from a, a fear that we will not be loved by who we really are if that was exposed. Mm, right. And so the key to this doing this work and finding these friendships is to really embrace that our identity is in Christ, you know, not um, what we do, and who we know, and all those things. If we embrace our identity in Christ, that that security, if we really walk in it, is what frees us to just be who we are, and whether people accept us or not. Mm -hmm. Pastors, if they can find that freedom, Mm -hmm. it is life-altering for their ministries and their family and their life. So I would urge urge men to be honest on, on why that's not where they are and what they why they cannot embrace that because if they can it, it true that really is a truth that that can set you free that that's getting to the place too isn't it Brian of, of knowing one of the greatest gifts God's given us is he's making made us who we are you know with the minds we've got the brokenness we've got uh, even um, and he loves us even though we're broken messes he doesn't leave us there. He changes us. He redeems us. He's, he's molding us and shaping us. But some of that, I think, is in our own souls, believing who I am is okay. There's a gift to being me uh, in what I bring to the table, which is very different from what Brian is an author and things he's done brings to the table and others of our friends. But who we are is a beautiful gift of God. And if we can learn to accept ourselves in that, 
and know that he's chosen to accept us and love us, even in our humble estate and our broken estate, that's, that's step one. One of the most obvious applications of the gospel that so many people miss is that the gospel's true. Then I really can just be who I am and all my brokenness and all my mess. And most Christians don't show up that way. And, and it's not believing the gospel to be what it really is when we show up that way. So again, this, this does come back to biblical truth and what we really believe theologically. Um, the gospel frees us to show up and be whoever we are because Jesus loves and accepts us exactly where we are and we're forgiven because of what he's done, not how we perform and show up. Amen. Thank you, brothers, for having this conversation with us. Brian, I'll ask you to close us in prayer in a moment here. Uh, if you would like to find out more information, uh, just some follow-up articles about uh, our conversation today, I'll post uh, some links to Brian's article about uh, Jackson Boyette, uh, his reflections on Jackson Boyette when he passed away, and links to, to Rob's church. Uh, maybe we'll even get uh, a picture of his, of his Honda up there on the website, too. So, Actually, and Rob wrote an article for us called Safe and Broken Pastors, which is exactly along the lines of what we talked about. So we'll Josh will link that too, too but, yep. but that's an article that really speaks to a lot of these things. Yeah. Brian, would you close this in prayer? Yeah. Lord, we ask for every pastor listening, every Christian man and even woman listening to this, that you would help them believe the gospel in a, such a way that it would free them to embrace who they are and all their brokenness and messiness and that they would be reminded that they're loved by you fully accepted just as they are and that that's how you free us to walk by the spirit and walk in sanctification and growth so lord help us to embrace that truth and that allow us to be authentic uh, people before you and before our friends and our neighbors and our fellow church members Lord, we pray for pastors especially, that you would use us as as an example before our congregations of what it means to embrace our weakness so that, as you tell us, we'll show up in strength because of what Christ does for us. In his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Trench Talk. We'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you might have for us. So to get in touch with us, you can email us at brian at practicalshepherding.com or you can contact us through Facebook or Twitter. You can find out more about Practical Shepherding at our website. And at the website, you can find our blog and you can also find information about articles and books that we've published. You can also find out information about our regional workshops where we engage pastors face-to-face to equip them for the trench work of ministry. So until next time, may the God of peace the great shepherd of the sheep equip you as you labor in the trenches of pastoral ministry.